Well, hey there, and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We are starting a new segment where we're just going to be interviewing people, getting you more information about what it looks like to experience what God can do through you. This morning, I have a good friend and a, uh, a mentor of mine and someone that I'm excited to talk to. His name's Jeff Chahala. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good. Hey, would you just introduce yourself, tell yeah. them what you're about, what you're doing? Yeah, Jeff and... Uh we're currently working for a group called Royal Family Kids. We're a ministry that works with foster children, taking them to summer camps and mentoring programs. This summer we'll have, well, our normal summer, we'd have about 9,000 foster kids in wow. camp. And uh, we have about 240 churches around the country that operate those local camps. So wow. that's what we do uh, on a professional level, on a personal level. We've got a family of six and my wonderful wife, Janet, and four kids. I like to uh, do things in the mountains. It's awesome. very different in the mountains. I love kayaking, hiking, target shooting, and uh, building things in the garage. Very cool. So, very yeah. cool. What is your role at Royal Family Kids? Uh, currently, it's the director of training, and I'm over the ministries of camp and mentoring clubs. So we train all the new. We're basically like a franchise uh, operation as the national office. We'll train a church in how to operate one of our camps and mentoring clubs, and then they go out and do it. So mm-hmm. it's all about training and providing the resources for them to go out and do that job. Awesome. Awesome. And like, how did you get involved in that? How did you choose that as like your life's work? So my wife and I were at uh, our church in Northern California, where your dad came to, to work with us. And uh, they exposed us to this thing called Royal Family Kids. Yeah. I was working in a contractor with a contractor at electrical construction as the safety director there so i did safety manuals and safety training and then um wayne tesh the founder came and spoke and said start a camp and my wife and i had really felt a burden for doing something with orphans this seemed to be a good fit so we did that for six years as camp directors just as volunteers sure we had our jobs we had our family we were doing our thing and then uh God began stirring in our hearts Mm. about four years into it, and we knew that we were going to move and we were going to get into full-time ministry. We didn't know what that meant, but we knew those two things. That's a long story how that we knew that, but we knew those two pieces. And then Wayne uh, offered us a position to move down here and take the role as the training director. And so I went from safety training and safety manuals to camp training and camp manuals. Nothing else was much the same, but those two were the same. So Well, it's nice that you had some overlap there, yeah. at least. So then recently, you got a degree from Azusa Pacific in leadership. Is that right? Correct. So walk me through, like, how did that happen? <laughs> so after I got my bachelor's degree, I knew I wanted to pursue a master's degree, but it's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. When do you do that? When's the right time? And, and what would be the payoff? <clears throat> sure. I was in a construction office at the time, and construction doesn't typically put a high value on the academic world, right? They sure. just want to, say, get it built. Right. So there was no great incentive there. But uh, I kept looking and searching, and it was one of those things in the back of my mind. When Wayne approached us and said, move to Southern California and take this new role, he said, you'll also need to get a, uh, a minister's license because we work so often with churches, sure. raise money and recruit, but also get a master's degree in any subject you want because we also want to have a high de- level of academic knowledge when we work with the state. Yeah. So I looked at MBAs again, but by that time I had really studied leadership a bit more, reading my own books, um, going to seminars through work, that type of thing. And leadership just became such an interesting subject to me that I thought I I will pursue that and found a a great program at APU and went through that uh, three years of night school and got a master's of arts in organizational leadership. Wow. Wow. Okay. So... I don't have a master's degree in in leadership. I have a bachelor's degree in leadership studies. But what is one thing that you wish you would have known 20 years ago 
that you learned through your your uh, master's program that you like if you were to go back 20 years mm-hmm. and tell yourself like hey this is going to be crucial what's that one thing um the i'll give you i'll give you the one that's quasi leadership but applies to everything and that is the power of the network mm. i i finally learned the value of the network uh too late. Not too late. Nothing's ever too late. I learned it later than I wish I had. Right. Yeah. If you say, what do you, you wish you knew 20 years ago? I wish when I started at this electrical contractor, I knew the power of networking with people right then. I ended up having a decent network because my job required me to be places and meet people. Sure. But I didn't approach it with intentionality. I could have grown my network so much more uh, if I'd just been intentional. Yeah. I, Wayne, in fact, sent me this book called uh, Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And it's Mm. all about building your network. And it's a great title because build your network before you need your network. And uh, there's another one called uh, titled uh, Never Eat Lunch Alone. And that's what I should have been doing so many times. I ate lunch by myself and I thought I could have been building a network. But that's that's one of them. And I'll tell you just one quick um, networking story. The one time networking really paid off for me was I was given an opportunity to go do some electrical training for another contractor I didn't need to do. There was no particular reason to do it for the company. It didn't benefit anybody, but it was just expanding, mm-hmm. you know, working for another person that wanted some help. So I did that, and it was a project on the Golden Gate Bridge. And they said, uh, I thought, well, this is an opportunity to see part of the Golden Gate Bridge yeah. that you don't normally get to see because they were doing work underneath. Oh, cool. So I did this um, uh, for this other contractor just because it's what you do. And uh, that, this person said to me afterwards, hey, would you ever be interested in going to the top of the Golden Gate Bridge? And I said, oh, man. yeah, I would. And so she arranged it because she was working there as their safety person that um, few people get this opportunity. But she had made some contacts within her network and uh, she didn't want to go to the top. So she gave me a chance and we went to the top of the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, 745 feet off the water. Uh, amazing, amazing trip that had nothing to do with my job, really. Yeah. But within the network, it was just a personal thing. It was a, a great thing that I would have never had had I not offered to go out and just help a friend who needed some help. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm curious, how have you used your knowledge of leadership Mm -hmm. in your role at Royal Family or in other places in in life? I think two of the things that came out of the specific study of leadership for me was that there are so many different ways to define leadership is is one of the things. Yeah, so one of the books we studied uh, had accumulated 600 different definitions of leadership because it can mean so many things to so many people. It's very subjective, which attracted me to it because it wasn't scientific, and yet you can get lost in the maze of how many different ways it can be applied. Right. For instance, a CEO will think of leadership as vision and influence, whereas a middle manager might think of leadership as, I've got a certain number of people that report to me, mm-hmm. but I've also got to report to somebody above, and somebody farther down may say, I'm not a leader at all, I'm just the guy that you know puts the bolts on the car, and yet, they have to lead themselves, they have to lead their, their peers, right. and sometimes they have to lead back up the chain of command because they know certain things that other people don't know. Yeah. So there's different ways to look at leadership, and that was part of the exciting part. But then to apply that, uh, one of the things I did discover was sure is easy to study leadership compared to applying leadership. Right, right. right? Some leadership positions, you, you, when I was a camp director, it was 90% joy and sure. fun and excitement. But boy, that other 10% was hard. <laughs> you know, that other 10% was just 
really tough. It was making hard decisions. It was conflict. It was getting in, in the midst of people's messes. Uh, my job now is probably 60-40, 60% a lot of fun in leading, but the other 40% is the difficult stuff, the sure. challenging stuff, the, the conflict management, the, the budgets, the, the stuff that you know you don't always sign up for, but it comes right. with part of the job, and right. it's just part of leading. And so you just have to take that and understand where are your strengths, where are they not, mm-hmm. and um, how do you manage both. So I'm curious, what do you think like your personal definition of leadership is? So we studied a lot. John Maxwell would say leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, which is a great, simple, short definition of leadership that applies most of the time. I was troubled by that when I had to do my final paper to put that in there because it would allow for someone like Hitler to be called a good leader because he influenced, Stalin influenced. So I was troubled by that. And for an academic paper, I thought I I need to come up with my own words. Sure. Um, I do love the words of Jesus when he simply said, follow me. Right. Mm. Two words. And that's that itself is a great definition of leadership. It means I'm out front. You can just get behind and follow me and where I go and what I do for my paper. I had to come up with my own. So based on all of our studies, I came up with this definition. Leadership is a vision influencing others for responsible results. And it's just Mm. certain key words that I that I thought had to be in there. A vision because you've got to have a vision out there. Sure. Influence is still in there. Uh, others, meaning whether they're employees or church members or neighbors or a little league team. So you're influencing somebody, but for what? For some sort of responsible results. So yeah. as a Christian, I thought I had to have that word responsible in there because, right, right. you know, you could influence people in a greedy manner to, uh, you know, do inappropriate things. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I had to have that word in there, responsible, but always getting some kind of results. There's yeah. got to be some results at the end of the day. Oh, that's really good. How long did it take you to come up with that? Uh, well, the, the, the master's program was three years, <laughs> but uh, my final class was only t- uh, eight weeks. So we worked on that, you know, on various things over those eight weeks, but sure. that was part of it. So, sure. Yeah. And how has that definition, like, helped inform the way you do ministry or the way you work for Royal Family or with your, your family and kids? Well, it's, it's not like I sit down and think about it. It's really, it came out of how I've already operated. It's good. So it's not like I have it on my wall and I have yeah. to go remember it. It was... I, I came up with it because it's how I already operate, yep. that we need to give vision to our people, whether it's family, like I said, church, business, we need to influence them. That can mean so many different things, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, giving an assignment or just having a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, with your child, you know, like, hey, what are you working on? What are you doing? How can I help you? So all those things just came out of how I'm already operating my life. Yeah. And uh, it's just what I want to continue to do. But it does remind me of how, do, how are we getting those responsible results in, in a That's church good. ministry? We're really focused on that anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you were in a business, that might be more of a challenge. Is my business, is my boss, is somebody I'm working with uh, asking me to do something that's less than responsible? Yeah. So there may be more challenge there for other people. So there's an ethical component there. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. One of the things that I've noticed a lot about you, and I, we have a lot of the same friends. Mm-hmm. And so every time I'm with people that I would consider mentors uh, mm-hmm. and, and leaders in my mm-hmm. life, one thing I know about them is they're constantly listening to something mm-hmm. or they're constantly yeah. reading something. So what's something that you find yourself reading or listening to right now that, that we would find helpful? So I routinely read my Bible. Right now I'm in the Old Testament, just about to break into the New Testament. This particular time, though, in reading through it, instead of highlighting things or underlining things, which has been a tradition for me, I decided this time as I read through, I'm going to keep a separate notepad. And when I find a specific verse that looks you know, different to me, I'm writing it down in a separate notebook because the act of writing influences the brain differently. So the Bible's always there. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the history of World War II. 
So I'm almost always got a World War II book going about the heroes, the yeah. sacrifice, the challenges, the overcoming, how everything meant something. Mm -hmm. uh, more specifically to leadership, um, I've been trying to be on somebody's uh, blog newsletter. Like I'll find a different one on the internet and get their newsletter for a year, and mm -hmm. then I'll drop it and pick up somebody else, mm -hmm. just so I hear from different voices. Sure. Uh, I would say um, the Global Leadership Summit mm -hmm. is a great one. If yeah. you don't already know about that, I've been going to that for the last three or four years, Global Leadership Summit uh, out of Willow Creek Church. But I would also say uh, I have discovered that biographies teach a lot about leadership, but also about life. Yeah. So uh, I've been blogging myself recently, and one of the um, articles I put in there is about biographies, how they mm. teach us things. And when you study a leader, you make certain assumptions about who they are. If, were they a strong leader like Patton? You make certain assumptions. Sure. Were they a, a more quiet leader like George Marshall, who was part of World War II as well? He was a more quiet leader, but all of them had influences in their life that kind of created them to be the way they were. When you when you read their biographies or watch things about them, you always learn more than you thought. Right. You made an assumption, right. and then this biography is now sort of correcting that assumption. Yep. They always had high highs and low lows. They always worked harder than you thought they worked. They always got lucky somewhere. Right? Yeah. Most biographies will reveal certain things. And for me, that's been a great way to study leadership is through personal biographies because it's what I call the reality of life. Yeah. Theory is great, but their, their life was a, a reality. And you can learn from that. Yeah. And so what are some other like study materials in mm. addition to the biographies mm -hmm. that you would recommend? Like, obviously not everybody who watches this or listens to this is, is going to be a CEO. Sure. But that doesn't mean that that's an excuse not to study right. how to lead. That's right. Well, we studied not only leadership, but we had a, a great book on followership. And it was oh. the first time I'd heard that phrase. I yeah. thought, followership, where's yeah. that been all my life, right? So everybody, wherever you're at, and, and this is part of what we studied too, is um, no matter who you are, you can be a better leader if you right. study the subject matter. And if somebody says, I'm just a stay-at-home person, and I'm just watching my kids, or I'm just the janitor, anybody who puts the word just in front of their name or right. title, I'm just a, they can study leadership and get better because leadership always starts with leading yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you lead yourself well, then you can start to lead others well. And influence doesn't have to be up and down a chain of command. Influence can be anywhere. It can be with your neighbors, with your, your fellow congregants, yeah. with uh, your parents leading you know, mm -hmm. up, leading down to your children. So influence applies everywhere we go. Right now in our society with all the turmoil, there needs to be great positive influence. Yeah. Nobody wants a, a, a chain of command telling them what to do with some of the challenges we have right now. Yeah. We want positive influence from friends, family, neighbors. Sure. So everybody can study it from that standpoint. But even the study of followership simply says we need good followers. And mm. followers have certain expectations. Mm -hmm. And if you understand what those expectations are, uh, sometimes you need to push up the chain of command and say, I'm a, I'm a good follower. I'm a good worker. I don't want to be in charge, but I still want good communication. Yeah. I still want to know what the expectations are. Right. I still want to know that I'm valued. Right. So even from that standpoint, a good follower can push back up the chain of command or influence to say, I, I need stuff yeah. from this organization or from you, my boss, or from you, my friend. Um, and so the, even the study of followership says we've all got to speak up. And that's another one of the things I think I learned in the study was when I'm in charge, I need to speak less. But when I'm not in charge, I need to speak more. Hmm. And I, I, I think I sort of had the opposite of that because I need to influence that. There's feedback. Yeah. 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 So you have your oldest daughter is not much younger than me. 
Uh, so what is one way that you have like helped shaped her and, and grow your kids as leaders? Yeah. Growing them as leaders. Partly it's taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. Partly it's understanding their personalities, right? Everybody's got a different personality. And you talk about studying leadership material. When you, when you do that, you also need to know your particular personality style, whether it's Myers-Briggs test or Enneagram sure. test, understanding your strengths and your weaknesses. So right. that's one thing we've really tried to work with our kids is understanding your personality. And you've got something to offer, but you've also got a blind spot. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's probably where I've spent more time on uh, – personality indicators, uh, strength finders that, cause I've got four different kids and they are four different personalities. Yeah. And my oldest one, she is a go getter. She's a take it on. She does not need motivation. She's already sure. very self-motivated, yeah. but then sometimes she can be self-critical. So hmm. I can work with that. Whereas others may need more motivation, right? So I look at each of them and say, well, what, what does your personality already have as a strength? And what do I as a parent need to help with? Because as parents, it's this balance of, control versus influence right the younger they are it's more control but right. every year they get older we lose control but we gain the power of having an influence in their life wow. so i'm really working now i've got three in the in the 20s range about how do we how do my wife and i influence them yeah in a positive way whether it's leadership wise or spiritual wise or anything else is understanding their personalities and then helping um motivate where they're already strong but right. also help them where they've got some blind spots yeah okay so i'm gonna throw a cold cock question sure. at you this weekend is father's day yeah um what do you see the role of leadership playing in fatherhood as a as a whole as it pertains to leading your kids or leading your your spouse mm -hmm. well fathers have been beaten up the last 20 years in media and yeah. in society and some of it rightly so, because there's been a lot of fathership failures. Sure. Um, a lot of kids raised without fathers, a lot of, um, a lot of that going on. We deal with that in, in our kids camp programs with, uh, with foster children who have no dads and they don't know who their dads are. So fathers have been beaten up, sometimes rightly so. So it comes back to um, fathers need to know what their responsibilities are and yeah. fulfill those responsibilities, hmm. right? So what are the responsibilities? It's providing, taking care of themselves so that they can provide for their spouse and their kids, right? Uh, one of the great definitions of manhood I heard years ago was, what, is it, what does it mean to be a man? A man is somebody who uh, acknowledges and fulfills their responsibilities. Wow. And fatherhood is, is the essence of manhood. Once you have a child, you, you, you have to recognize and fulfill your responsibilities. Yeah. And there should be great joy in that. Absolutely. There should be great joy, and it shouldn't be this, you know, laborious, you know, whiny, um, what the media <laughs> sort of portrays, yeah, yeah. Uh, cranky guys that don't, who are dumb. And, and, and it, the media can sometimes portray fathers as dumb and inept. And that's mm -hmm. wrong, mm -hmm. right? That's a stereotype that gets laughs on a comedy show, but it, it throws a wet blanket. It throws a, a gray cloud over real father, fatherhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, fatherhood should be fun. You should have bad, corny dad jokes. All those things should be there, <laughs> right? But there should be this love and this commitment, and really it just comes down to acceptance of responsibility. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. So good. Thank you so yeah, much for, absolutely. for chatting with us. If people wanted to get in contact with you or want to learn more from you, where can they, they go to find you on that? Uh, well, at work, it's rfk.org. My, my email there, if you want to get information about that, would be jeffj at, spell it all out, royalfamilykids.org. Awesome. And you said you had a blog. Yeah. Where can they so find that? So if you're interested, and, and the blog just came out of personal 
writings and wanting to influence. Yeah. My mother wrote a lot on paper and she passed mm. away, but her papers still have a chance to influence and I wanted to do yeah. something similar. So I thought I don't need to put it on a paper. Let's put it on a, sure. on a blog page where I can get even some video. So all that to say 67thstreet.us, 67th street.us is my blog page. Very cool. Very unusual. I was not trying to make it easy. I was not trying to make it where everybody will run to. It's just very personal to me for my personal writings, but also a place to put some influence. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So good. Well, man, we are so excited about bringing you new content all the time, figuring out ways that you can experience the ways that God is working through you. Thanks for joining us today. 